Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Verse 26, the Bible says the righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. What a great proverb, and it talks about if your neighbor has a different character than that of righteousness, that would tell you that your neighbor doesn't care for the things of God. Now, that could be the guy that lives right next to you. It could be your neighborhood. Uh, The principle in this proverb is being careful of the character of your neighbor. Because if your neighbor pursues the pleasures of this world, if his interests are consumed with worldly interests, And if he recites the prayers of this world, well, what are the prayers of this world? They're not the prayers of the Bible. It's the prayers of this world. You know what it is. Go team! (laughs) They'll shout, scream, and holler for their favorite celebrity athlete. They'll shout, scream, and holler for their favorite celebrity Christian rock rock, uh, (laughs) star, air quotes. They won't sing praises to God. The character of that, the spirit behind that, is something we need to be concerned about because, well, if you become like your neighbor that has that type of character, that's going to hurt you personally, your family, and your local church. So who do you think is more valuable as a neighbor? I guess a better way to ask this, a better way to say this would be to ask, what type of neighbor do you want to be? What happened to the days when someone moved into the community and you went over, you knocked on their door, you gave them a fresh dozen eggs, you gave them a thing of butter, and you gave them some uh, fresh cookies now it's I sure hope they put a fence up because I don't feel like dealing with them if we are going to reach this world all about evangelism you know that we are all about evangelism as a church but are we about our neighbor? It's okay to be friendly to your neighbor. God wants you to be friendly to your neighbor. God wants you to help your neighbor. And you've got no strings attached. They may never come and visit with you at church. They may never crack open the Bible that you've maybe asked them to consider reading. That shouldn't change the fact that you and I should be a neighbor of good character. So we don't turn into this example that we're being warned about. The way of the wicked seduceth them. And we're going to talk about friends. Go back to the book of Job. Go to the first chapter. And I wonder, would God, I'm going to ask myself the same thing I'm going to ask you, would God testify of your character like he did Job's? Watch what it says in verse number eight, Job one, verse eight. And the Lord said unto Satan, hast thou considered my servant Job? Would God call you his servant? Meaning, are you actively serving him? You go to a restaurant, anybody eat out today? Anybody eat anywhere today? And yeah, and so you're waiting for the, hey, where's my server? If they don't show up, they're not a servant. 
they got to show up at your table. Right? And so they're, they're, they're actually actively serving. Would God say that about you? He says that about Job. And he says that there is none like him in the earth. And ladies, that's just a verse. You can take that and just rejoice about your husband. And there's no, there's no guy like my husband on all the earth. Husbands can say that about their wives. Man, there's no wife like my wife on all the earth. Parents can say that about their kids. Man, there's no kids like my kids on all the earth. We start thinking about that for a hot minute. We might not really get a, a hold of wanting to do that for various reasons. Well, this happened, that happened. I'm saying that to draw out. God said that about Job. That's a pretty good testimony, would you say? I would love to have a testimony like Job. We should all strive to. And then he says, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. Do you fear God and eschew evil? I don't know how many friends that Job had, but I know that he had friends. Three of them are named. How do you say it? Eliphaz or Eliphaz? I don't know. I guess when you teach it, you say it how you want. Bildad and Zophar. I think that's pretty good. I mean, it might not be how you would say the names, but there's no J names in there, so I don't can't help you with that, Zachary's. There's some Z names. Anybody going for Zs? <laughs> Job had three friends. And God says concerning his friends, he says, my wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. He says this to Eliphaz, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right as my servant Job had. Now these three friends, Job had friends. God rebukes his friends that Job has. You know what we need? Friends. You know what Job did have with those friends though? And I'm telling you, this is a truth we can get a hold of. His friends showed up. Job's friends were there for him. It even says that they came to mourn with him and to comfort him. I'm telling you, we need friends. Christian ladies need Christian friends. Christian men need Christian friends. Men that they can get some comfort from. I'd submit to you, Christian young people need Christian friends. There has been a debate going on, and the debate, I don't think it's ever going to end. How much time do kids need to be socialized with their friends? Well, it depends what type of friend they are. I mean, doesn't that change it? You get yourself or your children mixed up with the wrong friends, well, yeah, I can see. Well, we, they don't need to be socialized like that. So what do you mean by socialization? But if they've got good friends, David, Jonathan, you got good friends, that socialization now can be healthy. Why? We're going to get to some verses in a minute. Let's go to the verse right now. Let's go to Proverbs 27 because it's a great time to read it. Proverbs chapter number 27. Watch to verse 17. Proverbs 27 verse 17. Iron, Proverbs 27 verse 17. Iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. A good friend is a great blessing. 
there's a group, there's a fringe group. I guess they're always going to be around, but they say, look, my, my kids don't need friends. Dad's going to be their friend. Look, my son, my, my daughter, look, my kids are my friends. But God didn't put me on the earth to be their best bud. At times, we're best buds, though. He put me to be their father, to command them, to train them, to teach them, to discipline them, to chastise them, to love them, to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, and to protect them against evil and evil friends. But not to isolate them where they can have no friends and I'm their everything. I can't be their everything. Fathers, you can't be their everything. Well, I'm my son's best friend. Well, okay, fine. I hear what you're saying, but reconsider. Because this proverb tells us, iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's a positive verse for friends. When adversity comes, I got news for you. You will find out who your friends are. To live life without friends is really to live life in a wilderness. And you know, the only person that really finds contentment in the wilderness, it's the old bitter, angry man. It's just out in the woods, don't knock at his door. That's the end result of that. Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse number 20, the Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Walking is a motion that most of us choose each day. Because if you can do nothing else, we're going to walk. We do that every day. And let me take that principle and say to you from Proverbs and say to you that this, the company that you keep is also a choice that you make. And parents, the company that you allow your children to keep is a choice you will be making for them at their young age. Choose wisely. Why? Well, because a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Men, women, girls, boys. That principle applies to all of us. You know what children will do? They will imitate what they are around. Think about that. Why are all the sports jerseys sold by the millions? Because they watch it and they want to be like that player. So they buy those things. Children are imitators. I'm telling you, adults are imitators. They do the same thing. If I am following Christ and you are following Christ and we are following each other as we follow Christ, guess what we are going to be imitating and looking more like? Help me out, church. Who are we going to be more like? Christ! <laughs> yeah. That's the idea. Have you heard this one? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. You heard it. Who are the five people I don't know what your phone has, but, you know, it shows who, you know, the, the top five. 
that you call are typically your top five friends. You're going to be like that. Show me your friends. I'll show you your future. What's your future? I don't have any friends. Your future is the wilderness. You're the mean, miserable old man or mean, miserable, bitter old lady that doesn't want to talk to anybody. Because they don't have any friends. Proverbs 22. The Bible isn't against friends. The Bible's against bad friends. The Bible is for good, godly friends. Proverbs 22, verse 24. The Bible says, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. You ever hear this saying? Hurting people hurts people. The boy that was abused and beat by his father grows up to abuse and beat his kids. Why? Because a hurt person hurts people. That's not what God wants. Young ladies, pay attention. Pay attention. You get yourself mixed up with an angry boy, you have signed yourself up for a life sentence of destruction and abuse verbally and physically. Do not, young ladies, get yourself involved with an angry man. Young men, gentlemen, pay attention. Do not become that angry, violent, bitter man. All that does is destroy. I'm telling you, the Bible is not against friends. The Bible is against bad friends. And we have to draw that distinction. That's what we're trying to do with this message. Proverbs 22, it, verse number twi uh, 26 be not thou one of them that strike hands or of them that are sureties for debts. Learn not. Learn thou his ways, verse 25, and get a snare to thy soul. You'll acquire their ways. They don't pay off the debts. You'll acquire their habits. You'll imitate their temper. Be careful of the company you keep because it's going to end up being a snare. It's going to be a train wreck of a relationship. Friends, friends, friends. Proverbs 4. Look at verse 11. Proverbs 4, 11. We got two truths in this verse. The Bible says, I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. Look at this here. I have taught thee. There's instruction. And then you see that I have led thee in right path. There's direction. Our job as parents is to grab onto these two truths. There's instruction and there's direction. Some people do things, but they don't have the truth to back the motive. Other have, others have truths, but they never actually go in that direction and apply the truths that they've learned. They know everything, but they don't do anything. What do you have to have? This proverb tells us we have to have both. We have to have instruction. And then we have to have some direction. Which way is your life going? Well, I know everything there is to know doctrinally. Okay, which way is your life going? Is it going somewhere? You got to have both. Look at verse number 12. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened. And when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Look at verse number 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked. And go not in the way of the evil men. 
Now, just stay with me, and I want you to look at verse number 11 with verse number 14. Because there's two paths. Look at verse number 11 at the end. It says, right paths. That's the way we should be led. If our friends are going down those right paths, stick with those friends. Look at the contrast in verse 14. Watch the other path. The path of the wicked. What does God say? Enter not into that path. The Bible and God, he's not, God is not against friends. He's against friends that would lead you down that wicked path. He's for friends that would lead you down the right paths. Another contrast, there's two ways. Look at verse 11 and verse 14, the same thing. Watch 11, it says the way of wisdom. See that? Now look at verse 14. The way of evil men. Look, this Proverbs is teaching us about relationships. And it's not just mom and dad controlling every single aspect. As if they are God. Your children and my children need to learn how to pick the right path and the right way. If you control every single thought, aspect, everything is just monitored like this narcissistic society wants you to do. You're going to end up with 17 year olds that have no idea how to make a choice on what way to go and what path to go. Why? Because they've never been allowed to make a choice ever. You've got to have friends. But you've got to have the right friends. How do I do that? You've got to have the wisdom on how to choose them. If you don't have that wisdom, all you're left with is someone's got to choose them for me. Right? There's, there's an age category for that. And, and some of us are in that age category. I'm going to help you choose your friends. <laughs> okay? But what is it going to be like that forever? It's not. It is not going to be like that forever. Get two ways. Proverbs 2. They need to know how to choose the way of wisdom and to refuse the way of evil. Proverbs 2, verse 12. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness, to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths. Does that sound like a way that you want to walk? You've got to re- you, you have to train your children to recognize that in others so that they can choose the right friends when it comes time for them to have the jurisdiction to do that. Go to 1 Corinthians 11. Okay. There are churches... There are churches that don't have any age-segregated Sunday school programs at all. Because they are deathly afraid that if someone were to teach their child, it would corrupt them. And I'm thinking of someone right now. The church is just split. Why? Because Sunday school was introduced. 
There's accountability. There's age-appropriate teaching. It's about the Bible. They're learning about Jesus Christ. But there's this narcissistic idea that says, if you get the kids away from dad and mom, they're going to be corrupted. I have news for you. They're corrupted already. They are. And when we try to play the Holy Spirit and we try to be everything to our kids, we're going to fail. My kids have a, an archery coach. Praise God. That they, that they have that they have one. My kids have a BB gun coach, BB instructor. They got a couple of them. And I praise God for them. One of the reasons is. When you homeschool, one of the easy things for kids to grow up that are homeschooled is, is a heart full of pride. I'm a homeschooling dad. I don't want to do it anyway. I, I'm not going to do it. Anyway. But if no one else is ever able to take them and teach them a truth, a skill, they grow up learning, be afraid of everyone. No one has any answers but us. And that's never said, but it's inculcated because no one else can teach them. How's that going to work in a friendship? Matter of fact, one of them, real strict. And, uh, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll correct one of the kids sometimes. I just think it's great. I just sit back. I just love it. I love that. Why? Because I want them to be humbled. And I want them to learn how to be corrected from somebody else. What's the extreme? Well, just throwing them out with anybody. I don't do that. I'm not recommending you do that. But if you have children and you want them to be able to obey a boss when they get a job or you want them to be a good leader, you're going to have to get them involved in other things. So how do I figure all this out? Well, I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians 11. Look at verse number one. Paul says this. Be ye followers of me. That's Paul. And he's telling people to follow me. What's the condition? Even as I also am of Christ. So you know what happens when uh, the archery instructor or the bb gun instructor starts to go way off the deep end guess what dad does we're going to move on because that's my role as a father but too many of us have had bad experiences and look i have had bad experiences myself i'll save you the details <laughs> i can go through some bad experiences that I, okay when i was a kid most of the trouble that I got into was because of friends. Matter of fact, I'm thinking of one friend right now, my friend Bonehead. I got more trouble. I got more trouble hanging out with Bonehead than I did anything with anything else. You know why? Because I can walk down to Bonehead's house and guess what they had? Cable TV. I 
I can walk down to Bonehead's house and we can go back in the woods and we can play and do things we shouldn't be doing. You say, well, that's Bonehead's fault. No, that's my fault. You say, that's my parents' fault. They can't monitor everything. And parents that think that they have everything under control and everything monitored and everything. Look, we got enough cameras. We can put more of them. But I'm telling you, if the Holy Spirit isn't alive and well in you, you think your protection is going to come from a camera? You better pray God protects this church. You better pray God protects your family. Fathers, it's your responsibility to protect your family. It's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to protect my family. And this church. God's not against friends. He's against evil friends. The prerequisite is we all must follow Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. I touched on this. 1 Corinthians 15. Why are we praying that the Lord would bring five more families over the next year? Why are we praying that? Because we want pilgrim kids to have good friends. And we know that if if God would send some families, we know that we can minister to those families. And we know that we can have a sweet fellowship where, yeah, there's going to be some differences here and there. There always are. But for the most part, the idea is not to break up or isolate the family. It is to encourage the family into sweet fellowship with other like-minded believers. And we're all walking the same way toward Christ. Right? So what does it say in, in Proverbs chapter number 15, verse 33? Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. What is God against? He's not against friends. He's against those types of friends. So you know what has to happen? And this has happened. It hasn't happened in the last two, three years, but it has happened. A family will come. They will have some magic cards that they want to play with after church. And the mean preacher has to say, oh, I'm sorry, little Billy. Those type of magic cards, we don't have them here. We don't have the, 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 we don't have the Pokemon cards. We don't play those types of cards here. Would you mind to just take them, you just play them at home. We'll just keep stuff at the church house and, what is that? That is a preacher that recognizes God wants us to have friends, but God also says that evil corrupt, evil communications corrupt good manners. And I don't want to be communicating with evil spirits through games, through cards, through music, through movies, through none of it. So take your school of Hogwarts or whatever you call it, and you can put it where it belongs, the trash can. Okay. That's not somebody being mean. That's somebody saying, look, I want your kids to have healthy, strong, good friendships. Well, I could never do that. That's okay. That's why you have me. <laughs> Wives say, I could never do that. That's okay. That's why you've got your husband. So that he can take the hammer and use it every now and then. It's good. It feels good. It feels good to swing a hammer. Second Corinthians 6. Watch. Second Corinthians chapter number 6. Look at verse number 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness what's the answer none 
Young people, pay attention again. Look up here. The best decision you can make on this earth is to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the best decision you can make. You know what the second best decision you can make is? Obeying this verse. Because if you get yourself yoked up with an unbeliever, you have signed up for darkness. And how do you think that's going to work in a marriage relationship? You say, I'm not getting married. You say that now. You say that now because you think all girls have cooties and the boy and the girls think that all boys are smelly. And look, they're both right. But there's going to come a day when that's going to change and you're going to say, oh, all the cooties went away. Huh. Oh, I'm in love. If it's an unbeliever, you've signed up for a life of darkness. And you won't realize that until you say, I do. And the preacher says, don't. And you want to say, I do. But mama said, don't. And you want to say, I do. But your daddy's been telling you for six months, don't do this. But you move forward with it. You yoke together with an unbeliever. And you signed up for darkness for the rest of your life. Unless God does something miraculous. And if you think you're going to win them over or you're going to win her over, I got news for you. It don't work that way. Most of the time, it does not work out that way. Find yourself a believer to be best friends with. I got a new BFF. Is she a believer? Is he a believer? No, but he said I should sign up for Hogwarts University. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I'm telling you, that type of tomfoolery happens every day. Believers getting yoked together with unbelievers. Go to Luke chapter 7. Well, how should we relate and how should we how should we have our children and our families be involved with people that are unbelievers? Well, let's talk about that. Uh, Luke chapter 7, verse 34. Jesus said, the Son of Man has come eating and drinking. And you say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. They made fun of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, well, what does Jesus mean when he's a friend of publicans and sinners? Did Jesus sin at all? No. Do you think he's getting involved with the sinful activity that the sinners are doing? No. But he is involved with them in a real way. In Hebrews 7, it says he's holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. So how can he be a friend of sinners and yet be separate from sinners? That's the principle that we need to get a hold of this morning. The relationship that most of us are going to have with unbelievers is going to be one of ministry, not one of necessarily fellowship. If your friend asked you to get involved with smoking, young people, what do you do? Are you a friend of sinners or are you separate from sinners? What did Jesus do? He never sinned. So what do you do? You be like Jesus and you don't sin. You say, I don't do that. I'm a Christian. And you move on. 
some of most of you are young enough where your parents are able to monitor that. What happens when the monitor goes down? What happens when there's no monitor? What are you going to do, young people? What are you going to call mommy up when you're 20 and say, Mom, should I? What are you going to do? Call daddy up when you're. You can call your mom and dad anytime and they'll, and they'll help you out and they'll advise you and they'll give you counsel. Praise the Lord. You can do that. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do when there's no monitor? And you've got a friend, you've got somebody you care about and they're asking you to do something that's not right. What are you going to do? Well, I know what I'll tell my dad if he asks me. I know what I'll tell the preacher if he asks me. I know what I'll tell mama when she asks me because I grew up in church and I know the right answer to give. No, what are you going to do for real? Come on, be real. What are you going to do? Do what Jesus did. He was separate from sinners, yet he was a friend of sinners. How many of you have a friend that isn't saved? And you care about them and you love them. But you don't have the guts to tell them about salvation through Jesus Christ. Come on. How many? This is where the rubber hits the road. Jesus never failed to talk about salvation issues. With his friends. As he was friends with sinners. Yet he was separate from sinners. You see somebody at the park, they're your friend. You've seen them, you've seen them for two years, for three years, for four years, for five years, ten years go by, and you have never mentioned to that friend, hey, can we talk about Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers? And it might help you to understand why I don't want to say those words or I don't laugh at those jokes or I don't go to those places or I listen to this music or I go to that church or I have you ever done that come on people have you done that you know what we typically do avoid it because we don't want to lose the friend and I'm saying that that's not what Jesus did and what we try to do is we try to get it we try to get ourselves so far from sinners that we don't never have to deal with them and I'm saying, do what Jesus did. Get close to them, get among them, and then tell them about the great Savior. Well, I don't have any friends. Go to Proverbs 18. We'll start to wind down. I don't have any friends. Well, here might, this might be a reason why. If God were against friends, he wouldn't have this verse in the Bible. Proverbs 18, the last verse. 24, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Now, my friend Bonehead, we were skateboarders. So we rode our skateboards and we rode our bikes. And we had this one place. It was a development that wasn't developed yet. So it was a lot of dirt, which was great for BMX bike riding because we can make ramps and we can ride our bikes and we'd make these dirt ramps and we'd jump the dirt ramps. And, and, and so the kids from the neighborhood would go there. But there was one place me and Bonehead would go all the time. And it was called Sharpie's Pit. And Sharpie's Pit was great because it was a big pit of dirt. And it was like a bowl. And you know why me and Bonehead were friends? Because he showed himself friendly. He liked bike riding, I like bike riding. He liked skateboarding, I like skateboarding. So we went down there. 
one Saturday afternoon to sharpen some pins. And I had this red line bike, and on the bike, we had these pedals. They called them bear trap pedals. I don't know if they still make them nowadays, but they're metal pedals, and they had grips on them. So when you put your sneaker in there, your sneaker would hold on to that bear trap pedal, and you can pedal real fast. You don't have to worry about your foot slipping off, because if your foot, foot slipped off, it hit your shin bone, and you'd wreck up your shin. Well, I had my, my shorts on, and back in those days, we had socks. We pulled them all the way up to our ankles because we were cool. Now, nowadays, that's not cool. So if you were to walk around like that, you'd look like a moron. So if you can picture me doing that, I look like a moron riding my bike. I'm down at Sharpie's Pit. Me and my friend Bonehead, we're having a contest to see who can get the most air on our bike when we jump Sharpie's Pit. None of the kids wanted to jump Sharpie's Pit. But me and Bonehead were up to the challenge. Sharpie's Pit was dangerous. Kids would ride their bike down it. They'd take their bike, they'd ride to the edge of Sharpie's pit, and they'd kind of go down. But nobody jumped it. Because if you jump Sharpie's pit, you can go head right over the handlebars and end up hurting yourself real bad. So we went down there. Bonehead said, you go first. I said, no, you go first. He said, no, you go first. So I went first. I got up some good speed on my red line bicycle. And I had my bear trap pedals. And I jumped. And I had the handlebars up because I knew if my front pedal, if my front wheel went below the back wheel, it's trouble. And I can hear bonehead as I'm as I'm midair. Yeah, you know, he's cheering me on. My back wheel hits. I land. The front wheel hits. I'm like, this is great. Bonehead's never going to get air like this. The pedal slips. It cranks my knee, rips it wide open. Blood is everywhere. You know what my friend Bonehead did? He ran down and as a good friend, as someone that shows himself friendly, you know what he did? He helped me take off my sneaker and that big long sock that nobody wants to wear, he tied it as a tourniquet around my knee and he stopped as much blood as he could. And by the time I got home, the whole sock was full of blood. We go up, we go up to my house. And of course, you know, my mom, she sees that there's blood everywhere. It's a big mess. You know what I'm telling you? That's the type of friend you Someone that's going to care for you. Somebody that's going to help you in your time of need. Someone that's going to be there when you do something stupid. He's going to help get you patched back up. Of course, he probably shouldn't encourage you to do it. But look, you know, David had a great friendship with Jonathan. You can have great friendships. You just got to have the right friends. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. You ever feel lonely? You've got Jesus Christ. Last verse, and we're already over time, but last verse and we'll be done. Proverbs 28, look at verse number seven. Proverbs 28, 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of riotous men shameth, shameth his father. The problem is the principle in this verse has been violated. And fathers train their children so they can make wise choices. Fathers train their children so that they can choose good companions. Because if you don't, you're just going to shame him. And let me close with this thought because it, that philosophy has infiltrated churches and we're trying so hard to break that mindset. The church has done a lot 
to just bring the world in. And they haven't won over the lost. The world has won over them. And as a result, families have been bringing their churches, bringing their families to churches like this, and their children have been being corrupted in the church house because of that type of companionship and riotous. And it is a shameful thing. I have seen it happen. I have been hurt by it. And we are working overtime. We are praying overtime to make sure that that doesn't happen here. We're trying to inculcate a different attitude and a different mindset. We don't want riotous friends. And if they're here, we're going to help them become unriotous. Why? Because I don't want that shame on me. And you don't want it on you. Is God against friends? Yes. Evil. Bad. Is God against friends? No. Not good ones. Not helpful ones. Not edifying ones. May God help us. To be the type of friend that we would want. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.